Hello, Shelby. Hello, everybody else that's listening. Uh, this is Trip It To Me, a travel centric po- podcast. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Well, Shelby and I haven't recorded in two and a half weeks, three weeks. We're a weeks. little out of practice. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I just forgot how to talk. But let me say, it is good to be back. Woo! You'll find out. You'll find out where she was uh, either by searching our Instagram, which is Trip It To Me, or Mm -hmm. on our next episode. I believe it's our next episode. I think I tease an episode pretty much every every time, and like I realize that half the time it hasn't been that episode. I do apologize (laughs) for that. Anyway, just know at some point you'll find out if you keep listening where (laughs) I've been. Anyway, uh, yeah, well, this uh-huh. is a travel-centric podcast. We talk, we plan itineraries for people, for ourselves, for mm-hmm. anyone who requests them. And We then, uh, do trip reports, places that we've been, yeah, we, yeah all we the things. We talk about travel things. And today, we're, we're every fifth week is uh, what we try for. We do something mm-hmm. a little different and talk more about pop culture or issues or whatever we want to, really. Um, yeah. And that's what's happening today. But before we do that, Shelby, what are you drinking? I am drinking. I'm so glad you asked. I am drinking a gin and tonic, but this is a gin that I purchased while I was away. Um, it's uh, uh, like a citrus gin. Um, I've paired it with a yuzu tonic. Ooh. So it's very citrusy. It's very nice. I like yuzu. Um, I got to do, yeah, me too. Um, I got to do like a gin and vodka tasting while I was away. And the the person doing the tasting was just fantastic. Like he was very engaging. He knew a lot of history. He was funny. And at the end of it, this was the bottle that I came away with. And I think I made a very good choice. I'm proud of you. That's That's great. Thank you. I'll have several more during oh, the episode. Okay. So, I mean, maybe not several. That's so, maybe a little excessive. At mm-hmm. least one more. Yeah. I mean, maybe one more this episode and then a couple more for the next one we record if we if we make it that far. I mean, yeah. We have a pattern. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What are you drinking? I am drinking uh, rum and Pepsi, actually. Not rum yes. and Coke, but, it but was, Pepsi. it's actually wild cherry Pepsi and then some... <gasps> More Ooh. Pepsi. The Ooh. cherry actually goes well with rum, in my opinion. They they have a like artificial cherry, which isn't always my favorite thing. Um, right. Uh, but but in this one, it works. They they, mm. they match up pretty well. That actually sounds really nice. I also good. wonder if you did like a vanilla Coke and rum. Yeah, that would be nice. I feel too. like that would be nice too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Stay tuned, folks. Maybe next time. <laughs> Maybe. I haven't. Maybe. I don't know the last time I've had a vanilla Coke. Oh, maybe, really? Maybe like 11 years old. <laughs> Whenever we go to the movies, because um, the movie theater here has kind of gotten to a point where like they just don't really give a shit. So whenever we go to the movies, we walk across the street to the grocery oh. store and we get snacks. And like when I was a kid, like we'd have to hide snacks in mom's purse, right? Because they wouldn't let you bring stuff into the theater. Um... Which, 
it like reasonable, right? Like that's how they made their business. Maybe we're part of the problem of why theaters are going extinct. I don't know. Anyway, so we go to the movie theater. Probably not. Andrew's shaking his head. Probably not. Um, it was a very moral dilemma for me as like an eight-year-old child. But uh, we go to the grocery store and we get snacks. And then we walk into the theater and we eat all of the snacks. It is excessive. We get way too many. Um, but Ben will either get uh, Coke and like vanilla Coke. Or he'll get strawberry milk. Oh. Yes. Oh. Thank you. Hold that on. is the only appropriate response to have. Huh. It's horrible. I straight up tell him, like, I will not kiss you until that is just <laughs> gone. Because it is so gross. you just opposed to strawberry milk in general? Like, I think chocolate milk, great. Milk, cool. Any other kind of milk, I, why would you put artificial flavoring into milk? Why would you pair an acid like fruit flavors with milk? I don't have that strong of a reaction. My reaction was more to it being a movie drink. Okay. Really... But have you ever had to kiss someone who has just drank a lot of strawberry milk? No. So if you had, I think your response would probably be as strong as mine. Sure. Did he like yes. force you to kiss him though? No, just okay. for clarification. Ben okay. doesn't force anything to happen. <laughs> okay. You did say, yeah, have uh-huh. you ever had to? And I was like, neither did you, Shelby. Neither I did I mean, you. my husband's a very attractive man. What okay. can I say? There you go. You know, I had to, but yeah. But okay, so you're just opposed to it as a movie drink. I'm uh, any, like, even with dinner, I know people have milk with dinner or whatever. Mm. Even chocolate milk is just weird to me. Like, I, right. I don't. It's a dessert thing. No, it's a breakfast thing to me. Oh, but you don't like breakfast. I don't like milk. <laughs> um, I, and I do, here we arrive at the root of the problem. <laughs> I do like chocolate milk, okay, because who doesn't? Um, yeah. And milk and cereal is is fine. Uh, I don't I don't do as well with dairy as I as I would like to. So I don't mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of dairy. Although I love cheese, so. Do you have different feelings towards hot chocolate? Uh, I I think hot chocolate's decent. Okay. Uh, so like definitely, a, like, hot chocolate is an acceptable beverage. Oh, yeah. Whereas chocolate milk is maybe not so much. Cho- I don't actually, like, like, I won't judge anyone who drinks a chocolate milk oh, just of randomly. Um there's just a small part of me that's like that's weird, but it's so it's so much less weird than just regular milk. Like, right. It, like someone's gonna be like, oh, I'd love a glass of milk right now. I'm like, no, you wouldn't. What are you talking about? That is my dad, one hundred percent. Really, he has a glass of milk with every meal. Mm-hmm. And if he has like a dessert, like a cake or anything, he will put the cake into the glass of milk, and then use a spoon to eat the cake out of the glass. No. Yep. No. Yep. I've seen him do it with just like Ritz crackers before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the reason why I asked about hot chocolate, I also brought back from my travels. I love that I can say that. I love that I can say that I just had travels. How yeah. <laughs> exciting. Um, fuck you, COVID. Um, so what I brought back from my travels was um, three different tins of like specialty hot chocolate mix. And because Ben and I like hot chocolate 
And I try to not do dairy for my eczema because it's an inflammatory, so I do oat milk. Um, and so we made one of them last night, and it's an Aztec hot chocolate. So it's Ooh. got chili powder and, like, yeah. cinnamon and nutmeg in it. Yeah. And it was. Mm, it was it yum. Sounds similar to, like, Mexican hot chocolate. And, yes. And very good. Yes, very good. And it was, like, a gourmet hot chocolate. So, like, it was really rich, and it was yummy. It was smooth. And then you just get, like, the heat sensation. Like, flavor-wise, it was really just chocolate. But then you get that chilly sensation in yeah. the mouth afterwards. A, a and then the more fun. you drink, yeah, it like warms and warms and warms. It was delightful. Yeah. One, uh, mm. may I tell the story? Of course. Uh, let me figure out where I want to start the story. I grew up in Yakima, <laughs> Yakima, Washington, which is very, um, it's probably like half Mexican. Uh, a, a lot of migrant workers up in the orchards there. And, and it's just a, yeah, it. Maybe not quite half, but but the valley is is very uh, it's pretty diverse in that way, and we we would have track I had, we would have track meets and some of the schools we competed against were were like I don't know seventy five eighty percent Mexican, um, so we I had a track meet once in Toppenish, and um, that's that's like Native American and Mexican and and not a lot of white kids, which is great. Yeah. Um, so we, um, we had this track meet, I ran, things went well, if, from what I remember, I was fine. And, and then at the end, uh, I rode home with my parents and I wanted a popsicle and there was like a popsicle stand, uh, right next to it. I, I bought one, we get in the car, everything's great. Then I take like five licks and then my tongue starts burning and oh. <laughs> it's like what is going on why does this mango maybe maybe peach popsicle taste like why is it burning my mouth and it was a uh, mexican popsicle which i do find delightful but when you're not ready for it it's it's really a strange strange sensation yes. having you having something prepared for it having something frozen burn your mouth a lot of fun which, okay, I learned this the other day. Apparently, yeah. your nerve receptors that um, figure out hot and cold are separate. Mm. So you can have a like burning cold and a burning hot sensation all at the same time. Wow. Yeah, right? I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, because that's basically what I had. It's just a lot yeah. of hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Sheldon. Hey, no problem. Yeah. Um, so I've been uh, staring at your hat for yeah. uh, about 15, 20 minutes. Um, it looks black and white, but we've been here before. We've played this game. Facebook Messenger has let us down. And uh, I'm going to guess that it's green. I'm going to like not trust my eyes, but, but go with what maybe makes sense. So I'm going to guess that it's white on top with a G. And that the bill is green. For the record, she did try to guess off air and get a hint, and I did not play. <laughs> I did not play that game. I don't like being wrong, Andrew. And, <laughs> it and, is a personality flaw. I do know. <laughs> and in this case, I'm sorry. You should have trusted your eyes. It is black oh, on top. And an damn off Damn it! Would you oh, like? Facebook. Would you like to describe the rest though? Um. Yeah. So it's got like the black button on top. 
and then it's white and the G and the G is like a real old school font. Like it's a very square with like rounded corners, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's not Helvetica, but it's like a very clean old school font. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're correct. It's Thank a ni- 1948 um, Tokyo Kyojin Giants ball cap. Uh, yeah, I don't have a lot of other information on it, but um, Tokyo Giants are the oldest Japanese baseball league team and by far the most famous. They play in the Tokyo Dome. And uh, if you're, I guess, I guess I would compare the atmosphere that I've seen more similar to like soccer where the, where they have like a section where the crowd just kind of goes crazy and chants the whole time. Um, right. And it looks like a lot of fun to experience. So question. When you are purchasing a hat, yeah. do you buy a hat based on aesthetics or do you like research the hat and like this history behind it? Or do you just kind of know or do you have like a hit list of like, I want these hats? What's that process like? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for asking. Been waiting for years. Um, <laughs> Wait, no, really? No, no, no. no oh, okay, no. okay. No, uh, I go mainly based off aesthetic unless... It's a modern team. And then I have some rules. Like, I'm not going to wear uh, a team's hat that's in direct competition with one of the of teams course. I cheer, cheer for. Of course. But, like, I don't have an affiliation to a Japanese baseball team. So I have three different Japanese baseball teams' hats. That makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, um, thank you. But, no, it's it's mainly just aesthetics. Um, yeah. No, I... I I like I like the two tone hats. I don't know if you've noticed. I like the the different color bill and then and then the top being a different color. It's a nice contrast. Yeah, it draws your eye to it. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm going for. Look at my Good. hat, everybody. <laughs> Everyone, look at my hat. <laughs> <laughs> thank thank you for a wonderful question. Oh, of course. Yeah. My uh, my pleasure. Do you want to tell me about your what you've been seeing, hearing, reading, watching, listening to, or would you like to hear this business plan that I'm coming up with? <laughs> Choose your own adventure. I I would like the business plan. Okay. It's a half-baked idea. Um, okay. and, and I'll willingly admit, it's sort of been done before. Um, you, know, you know how... It's a fairly recent trend. Like, people get married, and then you can pay for, like, an activity on their honeymoon. Have you seen yes. this before? Mm-hmm. Instead of... Because people are getting married older, which means that they don't need the KitchenAid or the blender. They want a kick-ass honeymoon. Yeah. yeah. So you pay for a thing on their honeymoon. Yes. And it's cool, right? Like, like you know that... Like, if you're paying for someone, you're like, oh, they get to do that because we paid for it. And that's that's, like, a good feeling. I think. Yes. I think it's, it's much, a cool way It's to do much it. more fun. I think especially for people like us who like to travel and experience things, yeah. it's a much nicer gift to give than like, here's a blender. Yes. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Okay. My idea is we, I mean, do it for honeymoons too, but we just do this for like each person gets like five, a group of five people and then they do, they do this for each other through like they pay for one thing a month. So like I can make like almost like an Amazon wish list, but it's activities okay. and there's like a range of prices, you know, one month you could just pay for like a meal and then the next month you could pay for me to go to like a play. 
and and then we can all like pay for each other to do things instead of being like i don't know if i want to spend the money on myself to go do this i'd be much more excited to pay for someone else to go do something and then have them tell me about it you you get like a trade-off you get to go do something but then you also have something to talk to your friend about or your family member about um and it's like something you can you can share with each other that's a really lovely idea because i think people are more likely to be like oh i miss andrew i'm gonna you know send him this for you know whatever instead of paying for themselves to do something like that yeah so i think that's a lovely idea yeah, and I mean, I think people are more likely to go do something, too, if mm. not just because someone else is paying, but it's like, oh, they want me to go experience this. I'm going right. to I'm gonna go do it. And I'm going to go, and then I'm going to tell them all about it, uh-huh. and then I'm going to give them something, so that way we can talk about it. Yeah. This is this that. is my... I don't have a name for it yet, but mm. uh, maybe it's like trip it to me. I don't know. I've just... <laughs> <laughs> trip it to me... Gift it to me. I, <laughs> there, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll get there. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll no. workshop it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, it, that's that's fantastic. I know. I don't know why we don't do this yet. Uh, it's I, like mm, a it's yeah, like a know. patron like service almost, except you're all you're like in a little circle and you're doing it for each other instead. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think too, like obviously, you wouldn't want to gift someone skydiving if they're afraid of heights so like there would need to be some like parameters yeah it would be like a service you sign up for where you like tick boxes of like these are the things i'm interested in and then that translates into experiences yeah yeah that's a good idea too Mm -hmm. yeah no i like Mm -hmm. that or be like no i absolutely don't want to go swimming with sharks okay but i would like to go snorkeling you know like that kind of thing No. My mom wants to go swimming in like a shark cage. Have I told you this before? Um, No, I don't think so. When we were in Maui, she wanted to like get into a shark cage and like get dropped into the ocean so she could like be around sharks. And I had just watched that movie with Mandy Moore where they get dropped 39 meters. 47 meters down. 41, 52, 80, whatever. How many meters? It's bad. If it's meters into the ocean, it's bad. However many, right? And I was like, mom, I'm no, I'm not doing that with you. And then there wasn't a place on Maui that did it anyway. I wonder why. And anyway, so... No swimming with sharks, but snorkeling, that's fun. Yeah, snorkeling's great. Yeah. Do you, do you like shark movies? I like, like them. That one? <laughs> um, I like them in the sense of like, oh, they're scary and like that's kind of fun sometimes. Yeah. But then I like won't go in the ocean for like a week or two. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like in New Zealand. What that one's called. <sighs> I think it's okay. Mm, it's okay. It's all right. It's so, not like it's that good. To a like certain say amount the name of meters of down. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, I say, dropped any number of meters down into the ocean in a shark cage is bad. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, there was yeah. that. No, but uh, sh- oh, go ahead, please. Oh, I was just gonna say, like sharks are really cool, but also really scary. They don't. Um, there's not like a huge shark problem here. Like there, there aren't shark attacks very often. Um, Australia has more of a problem, but they also have more things in place to pre- prevent them. So like the beach I was just on, 
like would have had like helicopters like looking for sharks um whereas like that doesn't really happen here at least i haven't been on a beach where that happens yeah so it's kind of a give and take of like mm, less likely to happen here but there's more protective things in place in other places so it's a gamble get in the water or don't yeah yeah uh, it'll be okay most likely i mean not all it's not like someone's dying from a shark every day Someone once told me that you're more likely to die from getting hit in the head with a coconut that falls than dying from a shark attack. Is that true? I'm going to Google it. I really want to know. <laughs> I, hope, so, uh, I hope it's like, I hope it comes up right away. Who is, <laughs> who is putting coconut that fact on the internet? death or shark. I saw that uh, The Shallows. Did you ever see The Shallows? Yes. Uh, yeah, that was yes, pretty good. It was a fun time. That- that actually was pretty good. Okay, here's what Google says. Okay. This legend gained momentum after the 2002 work of a noted expert on shark attacks was characterized as saying that falling coconuts kill 150 people each year worldwide. This statistic has often been contrasted with the number of shark-caused deaths per year, which is around five. So it's only, only five? Right. But 150 people die by falling coconuts? <laughs> yeah, pick pick which one you want to be wowed by, I guess. That can't, what? That can't be true. Come um, on. There's also a little image by it of, like, a palm tree. And then there's, like, little stick figure people running away. <laughs> and, like, there's coconuts, but there's, like, the little fast motion lines. It looks like these are, like, like... I don't like cannonballs coming for these stick figures. They are running away furiously. It's very funny. Yeah, it sounds very funny. Everyone Google coconut death or shark and you'll see the image that I'm talking <laughs> if you, about. If you can't find that, email us. me at yeah. gmail.com. We're thinking we'll about send making it, it our new logo. <laughs> <gasps> Maybe we'll put it on Instagram. Oh, wow. I'm going to wow, make wow, a wow. note right now yeah, so we can note, put it on please. Instagram. Because otherwise, after a few gins, I won't remember. I mean, even if we didn't have drinks right now, I think we'd forget in like two days. <laughs> you told me earlier, oh, yeah, you should bring that up. And now I don't remember what it was. So, I, and that I was do. like 20 minutes ago. Do you want me oh, to Oh, okay. It up? Please do. Okay, uh, were you? Oh, you're just making a note. Sorry, I thought I'm just making a note. I thought you note. had something else to say. Um, nope. You were talking about anthems, uh, nations, oh, different yes. anthems. Because yes. today you sang what anthem? Yes. So I sang the New Zealand anthem, not like alone. Oh, okay. So we, so tomorrow is Anzac Day, um, which it's is not actually tomorrow. By the way, we're recording in the in the past. Right, yes. So tomorrow is April 25th. Um, And Anzac Day, for those of you who don't live in the Commonwealth, um, it is the remembrance of all Australians and New Zealanders who served and died. Oh, in all wars. Oh, okay. I thought it was specifically the world wars, but it's all wars. Um, So very similar to like a Memorial Day. Yeah. Um, for the American listeners. Um, and so in our church service this morning, Ben and I were both on the music team. And um, all of a sudden, the um, the man leading the service was like, well, we're playing a recording of the New Zealand anthem. Why don't you guys just sing it? And I've heard it maybe once. The first verse is in Te Reo, 
which is really awesome and cool. But I'm like, I don't know the words and I don't know the melody and I can do one or the other. But like, I can't spontaneously sing in Tereo and learn the melody all at the same time on a screen at the back of the auditorium that's so little when I'm not wearing my glasses and I can't see the words. So I was a little grumpy about it, but this song has six verses. That's quite a few. And they are, they are like, like lots of anthems in the modern Western world. They are kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They are Christian centric. So yeah. it's very like, may God bless our land and protect us and, and build. So th- there's some nice sentiments there. Probably not things that everyone would agree with. Um, I think, um, I think that it's a nice anthem. Um, it was quite moving because it's very much like, may peace be what we're known for, but like, but also like, may we defend our home, but you know, kind of that, that patriotic stuff that's just real nice. Um, yeah, so it was kind of a nice anthem, but it was kind of thrown on me very Like, does Ben know all the words? Um, so apparently I asked, um, the first verse is commonly in Tereo, which is awesome, um, for those of you who don't know, that is the native language of Maori, which are the indigenous people here. Um, and then there's another verse that like people know. And I think sometimes people know a third verse, but most people don't know all of the verses. So uh, he definitely had to learn the words for those verses. Okay. That, yeah, yeah. That, that's too many, too many verses to learn. It's a lot. In a it was like... It was like you finish a verse and you're like, certainly that's the last one. And then there's like another and you're like, certainly that's. And that happened about three times. Yeah. Yeah. To the point right at the end, I was like, one more, please, barman. And I was like, oh, wait, that's not the setting for this. I'm just like another verse. Someone make one up. Yeah. Uh, it's like this land is your land. I think that has <laughs> 10 verses. Mm-hmm. Too many. Why yeah, no one no one it, needs more than four, it's right? A very, that's a very good song, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a great song. But no what, one needs more than four. What's not a great song is the American national anthem. <laughs> okay, I do appreciate the story behind yeah. the American national anthem. Wonderful. Great great story. Sure. What what's your what's your beef with the American national anthem? Uh it's hard to sing. Yes. It's not a great melody. No. <laughs> and it's just not that good. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. There's not really a part that I love about it. I I don't really know that I know enough like or have been exposed to enough national anthems to be like, oh, this is a good anthem and this is a bad anthem. Yeah. Is it like the you know it when you see it kind of thing? I think, think? so. I think so. Mm. I do like Oh Canada. That's That's a nice anthem. I, the only thing I know of O Canada is, is O Canada. Canada. They sing it that, in, an, in an episode of That 70s Show. And that's, that's <laughs> I maybe have seen that episode more than awesome. any other sitcom episode. <laughs> and so I do know O Canada. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I've heard a few other anthems and I, I, I feel like they're just a little more melodic. Hmm. And, right, uh, right. And easier to sing and just prettier i will oh go ahead mm, please mm -hmm. oh i was just gonna say when i was in high school 
if you got chosen to like sing the national anthem at like a pep rally or an yeah. assembly or a sporting, that was like you have arrived, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you prepared, and it was like, do you go up the octave at the end? Do you sing the really, really, really high note? Do you keep it nice and clean and classy, or do you like make it really like showy? Blah, blah, blah. Yep. But like that was the thing, right? But it's like you, everyone's gonna fuck up the national anthem. Because it is so hard. Everyone's going to be pitchy. Like, worst case scenario is you end up in a different key than what you started in. Yep. But, like, best case scenario is, like, you just get all the notes right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's yeah. true. That's it. Uh-huh. No, you're, you're right. Uh, there have... I, I mean, if you've listened to this show, you know I go to lots of sporting events. So I've heard... Mm-hmm. Too many anthems, but I mean, like I've heard some very nice variations of it. Right. I, I think America the Beautiful should be the national anthem. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would it's not be opposed song. to that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Or, um, yeah, I, I can't say I'm a big fan of the current national anthem or God Bless America. Not my favorite song either. Um. Yeah. But but uh, America the Beautiful, wonderful. I would even settle for like a new like modern arrangement of Ooh. like America, like we're just trying. <laughs> I we're just trying. I don't know if that's applicable to, to certain. Probably uh, not. Let's not get into that. <laughs> yeah, probably. There's a reason why I live in a different country. Okay, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you... I mean, we're half hour in. Do you want to talk about yeah. what we did? Do you want to jump into the topic? Uh, uh, uh. Let's, um, I have a feeling we're going to have a lot to say. So you let's think just so? jump okay. into the topic. Yeah. And then okay. and in we're... the next episode, I think we can kind of cover. Sounds some good. Of those we didn't other do a lot, honestly. <laughs> I mean, well, in the next episode, I'll tell you a lot of what I've done in the last yes. two weeks. Yeah. Um, I've also got some true crime golden nuggets for you. I've got some trashy reality romance TV nuggets for you. So I've I've got some good stuff. But I cool. think yeah, let's save that until next time. Next week. Next, next week on Trip It To Me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really quick, um, I wanted to point out I'm drinking from a um, Universal <laughs> Studios Hollywood Christmas mug tonight. That is a jolly Santa. Yeah. Mainly, I just wanted you to be happy when you saw Santa. And, and you did laugh, so I it feel did It did it. I had a big, wide, toothy grin. Wonderful. It did it. All right. Shelby? Great. Anyway, you want to go for yeah, it? Yeah. So, we... I don't remember how this came up. I do. But it... Oh, you do? Okay. So, the last, like, pop culture episode, super... Um, focused right it was it was about the yes. gang of youth's new album we mm-hmm. talked for a long time about it um uh-huh. we both i think we both ended up really enjoying the conversation but it was yeah. pretty narrow um so this time around we we're like what if we try a very broad topic mm-hmm. um and it, and it might be we might switch back and forth if you prefer one or the other please let us know we're we're still trying to figure this whole show out yeah. So um, email us at tripitumi at gmail.com. Thank you. Very we much. actually really love emails. We've gotten a few and I'll like message Andrew and be like, we got another email. Yeah, it's it's, ah! really, it's exciting. really exciting. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> just as a whole. I mean, this is too early to do this in the show. Like uh, we're only in like the teens on episodes. But honestly, like the reception to the show has meant the world to Shelby and I. It, it, yeah. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It 
makes us very happy. And, like um, we have fun just doing this, but hearing people respond and interact with us and engage and listen and have a good time, like that is just like above and beyond. Yes. That is, it's so incredible. It's been so, so much fun. Thank you for all that have texted us individually or emailed us or commented or or Message even just talk to Insta. us in person yeah it's uh-huh. it's yeah. uh it's wonderful or even if yeah. you just listened and haven't reached out we really appreciate it yeah thank you yeah um yeah so anyway so, we went broad this week. <laughs> we did um so we decided that we wanted to talk about escapism um in the context of travel but in the context of media consumption when is it a good thing when is it a bad thing when does escapism turn into avoidance what's the difference between escapism and rest um i think these are probably questions that we've probably most of us have asked especially during the pandemic because i think a lot of us have wanted to escape and some of those outlets and avenues have been taken away and certainly some of those um, escaping has been um, avoidance because life is just real shit. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to have a conversation about what does all of that look like? What are the the avenues and the things that Andrew and I gravitate to when it's rest, when it's escape? Um, yeah, so kind of just a broad conversation. Um, yeah, anything you want to add to that? Uh, I, think, I think the... Escapism is kind of a buzzword right now, it feels like. Yeah. A lot of people have been bringing it up in different avenues that I'm interested in, really. I mean, you see it, I would say this is kind of the golden age of television that we're living through. Um, yeah. Because, there, one, there's so much being put out, and two, like a lot of it's incredible. Um, and it, right now it seems like escapism and television, if you read like a Think Piece article, they inevitably bring it up in like half of those um yeah but it's also uh in in my circle uh when talking about going to a disney park uh, or any theme park really it's brought up all the time and honestly is is a part of what made this topic come to mind is i saw i saw a, a few different people bring it up really and then thought it would be interesting for the two of us to talk about um yeah so yeah, I, I, um, I don't know. There's, there's a part of me. Uh, this might be a rabbit hole right off the bat, but right now there's a lot of people uh, going back to the television thing. You, I keep hearing the phrase like, "Oh, this show's really important. You need to watch this," and it, um, one usually like, yeah, I get it. But two, it's also like, please stop. <laughs> I'm tired. I, yeah, I can't. Yeah. And uh-huh. and there's there's something true about it being important, and I'm sure it's important to the people who are telling you or me or whatever. But like, it, it honestly might not be important <laughs> to me. Mm, like, mm-hmm. how many television shows have you watched that actually like change your life? And it's got to be probably single digits for me. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I respect like, like if if a television show really did something or a movie or whatever really did something to you, like I respect that. But it's also adding to the stress of like, okay, I need a break from this thing that's supposed to give me a break. 
Right. And um, that I'm not sure that's healthy. And we talked about this maybe a few times ago, right? Yeah, when we, I was like, we brought it up. Yeah. Oh, I'm like an 84 year old, and part of the reason why I don't. <laughs> sorry, my <laughs> something <laughs> fell and the camera shook. <laughs> I'm confused. What happened. My um my like power box that everything's yeah. plugged into just fell off my desk, which means that my iPad's not charging. So hold on. Uh, yeah, I either thought Shelby had the oh. shortest earthquake of all time, or, <laughs> or, or, I mean, or something just fell. <laughs> I am in New Zealand, so like that's a real possibility. That would be pretty great if we like caught an earthquake on camera. Yeah, um, we're like in two yeah. earthquake epicenters too. Yeah, it might happen. Yeah, that's true. We're yeah. on the same fault line, just yeah. thousands of miles apart. Um, no, but we talked about this, right? Of like, this is <laughs> thousands. This is why I claim that I'm an old lady at heart, right? And I don't want to be current because I can't possibly keep up with everything. And the pressure that I feel to keep on top of everything is like anxiety inducing. And yeah. so I just claim that like, I don't care. I don't like pop culture. I'm an old person. Like, bugger off with your television shows because I just can't keep up with it. Yeah. Like there's a real sense of like to do and anxiety and stay current on that list. And it's overwhelming sometimes. It is overwhelming. And I I think the shows that come off that are funny in some ways and that might have just as deep of a meaning or like uh, just have... They they probably have just as important things to say, but aren't as like serious. They don't they don't get that attention, and I'm like, well, yeah. they're they're saying the exact same thing and showing us the exact same thing, and yeah. like why does why does one get to be culturally important and one not? And that mm. doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, so uh, that might be a little bit off track, but but yeah. I think we are at a place where so many, I mean, we brought this up a few weeks ago too like there are so many decisions within our decisions right now that of course we're tired and overwhelmed right? yeah like yeah. should i watch this because there's a person in it who i'm not sure is a good person uh, yeah. and uh -huh. then and then you're just back at square one and like oh i'm so tired yeah, <laughs> yeah. and we're living in an age where there's more information and more news than ever before so whether it's the war in ukraine of you know russia invading ukraine or whether it's the johnny depp amber heard trial that's happening like it you are bombarded with information and moral dilemmas left and right and i don't know about you but like i feel like i need to be up to date on some things because Big things are happening, and if I want the world to progress and move forward and be better, I want to contribute and be informed and know what's happening. But at the same time, like you can only know so much, and you could spend your entire day reading news and listening and being educated, and then you get completely exhausted and burnt out, and then you want to just completely disappear, right? And that's where like maybe that escapism turns into avoidance, and that's burnout. So like, it's heavy to have to deal with, hey, like how many times a day do I open my news app? Or how many times a week? Like, or do 
do I stop looking for updates on this topic because I just can't deal anymore. Like I don't have the emotional energy to know what's happening or to be up to date. And so I think I think we're asking a lot of moral questions and we're asking um, how much do I invest in this? And I think that's a, a big part of how escapism comes in play. I think so too. And I, I also think, I mean, we've touched on this already. The places that we turn to for escapism have turned into more news. Um, yeah. Social media being the main one. I mean, yes, we can... Uh, you could argue the semantics over what Facebook was created for, but but like what we all used it for 12, 15 years ago was to like talk to our friends who weren't there. Yeah. And that's then that's nice. Like I I mean there's there's other things behind that, but like that sentiment is really nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now you get on Facebook and it's just it's terrible, right? Yeah, there's horrible. there's not an enjoyable aspect of it really the only good thing that i like about facebook is okay. i am on a girls love travel facebook page yeah and um some of the content is like it's just fantastic because it's like juicy drama right it's like do i go meet this man that i met online two <laughs> months ago and wants to buy me a ticket to mexico and it's like girl no 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 don't do that right and it's like 800 comments of women just going no red flag do not go but then like some of it is like really wholesome lovely yeah. like people are going places and they're building relationships and they're you know like it's all about travel and this thing that we love and that's really lovely um but otherwise facebook is just garbage yeah so you log on to read this this lovely Facebook page and then you scroll down another three inches and you're bombarded with a distant relative's opinion on something that you really yeah. disagree with. And like, I'm not even sure that I log on for like the right reasons anymore. I think it's just autopilot. Like yeah. I just log on because yep. my brain is free for a second. So we have to do something. So I'm going to do this. Yeah. And... It's not a good choice. It's not a choice that I go, oh, well, that's helpful to me or that's beneficial or it's a choice that I would make if I like stopped and really thought about it. But it's something that just happens. And I allow my and the same thing with Instagram, too. Like I really resonate with what you said about how like social media has turned into like a bigger news outlet, like on my Instagram, especially it's a lot of politics it's a lot of news it's a lot of like hot social issues that are happening um there's some really good accounts that strive to give really accurate cited information and that's great but a lot of it is just it's just more information and it's like it all goes in and you keep scrolling and it's like that does nothing for the anxiety and like where is the line between oh i want to be a a person that knows what's happening and I'm up to date and, you know, I'm in the loop and I'm current. And where does that cross over into, oh, this is actually affecting my mental health and knowing about these things isn't necessarily doing anything to make those things better. I'm just making myself feel awful. Yeah. Um, that's a tough question. I, yeah. I, I've always been of the belief that like we're only meant to care about 
so many like it's impossible to care about everything and it'd be wonderful if we had the capacity to but i I do believe no matter what uh spiritual belief you held if you're christian uh, buddhist atheist whatever i do believe that we were given some sort of interest for a reason i mean whether Mm. that's the universe or god or whatever um and and i think generally those interests can sort of lead you into what politics or what information or what news you're interested in and then that can lead you to what causes to donate to what what to and and i i mean that's a long uh trail to follow but yeah hopefully i mean that's that's kind of the best case scenario right you you find out what you really believe in what what really matters to you and then you chase it now i do think there's a lot like like all of these things that we're mentioning are can be like distracting to that sort of noble uh, ideal uh, of finding what you really believe in what you really care about maybe four or five things and and you really track those things and know a lot about them because that's what the world really needs right it's like we need people right. who know stuff about a topic not yeah not know little bits about everything right I, oh I, I read this one time yes <laughs> and, and didn't I mean, fact I'm, check it <laughs> i mean i'm guilty of that i mean i have yeah. also yeah. headline and like say oh yeah, yeah i saw something similar i, I did yeah. that often uh, mm-hmm. but but what we really need and what I find most interesting when I'm talking to people is like people that know things. And like yeah. I, I just want to listen to them for 10, 15 minutes instead of trading remarks about something neither me or the person I'm talking to really know anything mm, about. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that ideal of of really sticking to what you care about and what and that's not to say you shouldn't spread and grow and if something catches your eye or or you hear something and you're like oh that that seems really important and and fits in and i know where i stand and i and i want to learn more about it um then then by all means like like you said there's so much information you could probably find out more right away and that's great that's really cool that's the best part Mm. of the time we're living in um but uh, but it's such a it's such a fine line, it's such a slippery yeah. slope. So, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you might have a different belief. I don't know. I think you are a more passionate person than me, just in just in general, probably. Hmm. Or you show it. You're able to show it better than I am, anyway. Hmm. Um, so, do you agree? Are are there? You I think. Pro- I think, sorry, I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you say, because I think for me, it's really hard to go, ah, okay, because I've I've asked a lot of questions about, okay, the things that I care about, what does activism in those fields actually look like? You know, like I'm a feminist and, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever, fill in the blank. Well, how do I actually influence change in my life for those things? Because I'm not a billionaire and I'm not a CEO, and I'm not a politician. So like, I am just a normal average person that doesn't have heaps of money to give. So like, how do I make choices and live in a way that actually 
creates and inspires change. So that way, when I look back on my life, I go, oh, I helped. You know, I did my part. I was responsible. But I think what I get caught in is this feeling of of having to that that perfectionism, right? Of like, well, I need to know what's going on in the world and I need to be informed and educated and I need to have an understanding of this. But I think what I end up doing is I spend all of my emotional energy and then you get anxious and you get burnt out. And what does that actually, what does that actually do for you? What does that actually do for the world? If you know a little bit about everything and you're so exhausted and hopeless that like you, you can't get up and live your life, you know? Um, and so I think that's the line for me. And there's no real like value in knowing, right? No, if you just no, know uh-uh. things, then that's not doing anything. Like, the cool value man, good is for in, you. <laughs> yeah, the value is in being able to talk to people or yeah. or educate people or learn more. Um, yeah. We aren't, I mean, I guess you could argue some like personal growth and just knowing more. But even then, it's like, how are you really helping anything? And what's yourself? the cost? Yeah. Like, I, I think that knowledge is power, but if you're spending your emotional energy to gain knowledge that ultimately is just knowledge, that's that's that may not be helpful. Yeah. Um, so I definitely agree that, like, yeah, put your energy into, like, don't put your head in the sand, right? No, don't be avoiding things. Right. But like put your energy into the things that you truly are passionate about. Don't be irresponsible. Recognize that your actions have consequences, but also recognize that like you are a person and you cannot spend your whole life listening to news and absorbing information. And like no one, no one benefits from that. Be informed, but also know when to put the phone down, when to turn the TV off. And, and when to just rest and take care of yourself. And that leads me to, so T.S. Eliot was a poet, um, a little bit of a philosopher, and he has a larger body of poems that's called The Four Quartets. And this, you know, I, I think I studied this at uni, but it's, it's stuck with me in my memory. You know, he said that humankind cannot bear very much reality. And... It's an interesting thought of like, we are finite beings. Our lives don't last very long. Our capacity isn't huge. We can only go like 16 to 20 hours before we need to like lay down and sleep, right? Like we are people that get tired and we need to rest. We need to take a break. And I think that that applies a lot to news and social media and the realities of the world. Yeah, do your thing for a bit. Research, be educated, be informed, but then like take a break. Like you can't ponder the heaviness of the world for so long. Like it's too heavy for you. It's going to break you. So like you have to take a break. You are not capable of understanding it and fixing it and carrying it with you. And I think that's something that like my therapist has talked to me about of like, why are you carrying this around? Like, and I think that's my tendency as a woman, as an empath, as someone who wants to be, you know, someone who's a perfectionist. I carry around so much with me that it prevents me from doing things throughout the day or it prevents me from feeling joy or feeling gratitude or feeling things that make my life worth it 
and make my life meaning feel meaningful. And so like you can't carry that stuff around. You can only hold on to and contain so much. And that resonates a lot with me. And I think that's where escapism and rest come into play. Like, yeah, you can process the the shit that's happening in the world. Don't avoid it because avoiding doesn't help anyone at all. But like there comes a point where you have to set that down and you have to walk away from it just so that you can be a healthy whole person again. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. And I guess that kind of leads into a... A big question we had for the episode. Mm. When is it escapism and when is it avoidance? Um, and yeah. and what is the difference in there? Uh, mm. I, I guess a place to start in that discussion is the actual definition of escapism is the tendency to st- seek distraction and relief from unpleasant realities, especially by seeking entertainment or engaging in fantasy. I do think... Um, I do think that there is an, there, I mean, there has to be a difference between escapism and avoidance, but I think the answer, not that the, I'm, I'm never a black and white person. I don't ever think there's a very <laughs> clear answer to anything, but I think maybe part of the answer is just how much you're doing something. Mm. Um, yeah. if you, uh, avoidance might be um, overindulging in escapism. And I think that Ooh. might, I think that might be as clear as I can find the answer into this yeah. after reading yeah. a few things and mm. and making up my own mind. So I know for me, I know I'm avoiding something when I can't sit and be quiet or go for a drive with no music on, or like do something that where my brain doesn't have a distraction because I know that there's something in my brain that like needs to get worked out that like I do not want to deal with. So if I'm in the car, there's going to be music on. There's going to be a podcast on. If I'm doing dishes, the TV's going to be on. You know, if I'm on a walk, I'm going to call someone, right? So when I have that tendency of like, I always need to be doing something, I know for me, like, that is avoiding. Like, I've got something going on that I need to deal with. And for me, that's avoidance. Yeah. Hmm. Do, you, do you find, uh, just speaking to you personally, do you find that you, when that happens, are you avoiding something more personal, like a confrontation that needs to happen? Or do you think it's more things that are going on in the world that we've kind of talked about already? It's It's usually, it's usually self-centered. So it's usually... Even if it's something big, it's it's something that I've had a response to that has either made me uncomfortable or it's made me question something or I'm uncomfortable with how I responded or there's something, something kind of egocentric there um, because I'm such a self-reflective person. I really like to know why I feel how I feel and why I respond a certain way. And so when something makes me uncomfortable like that, um, I usually like to figure it out pretty quickly. So if I'm avoiding it, I really don't like <laughs> whatever is going on. It's really not comfortable. Yeah. Mm. That, that, yeah, I, I, I understand that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been reading this book. I haven't made it all the way through. Um, it's one of those books that I have intentionally taken my time with. 
because I want to process it. I want to understand it. I don't want to just rush through it. Um, what's funny is that it calls me out on a lot of shit. So you could probably say that I have been avoiding picking it back up for a while, <laughs> which is a little ironic. Um, but it's called Burnout and Completing the Stress Cycle. It's written by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. They're um, sisters and they're very different. One is like a, she's got her doctorate in like neuroscience and the other is like a music prodigy. She's a, a brilliant choral conductor. So they're very, very different, but they've come together to write this book. And at the very start, they talk about this book is specifically aimed towards women because um, oftentimes women are kind of wired with this caregiver mentality of like that's where they find their purpose and their value. Um, but oftentimes that means that they have no boundaries and that they get burnt out and they're stressed all the time and it's kind of a, a pandemic in the world. So it's aimed at women, but they talk about what actually happens when your body experiences stress and how your body experiences stress now is no different than like a gazillion years ago. So if you were chased by a lion and you had to run away and you were afraid that that lion was going to eat you, that stress that you feel in that moment is no different than the stress that you feel when you walk into your workspace and there's conflict and that fight or flight or freeze instinct kicks up. Your body experiences the same amount of stress. And so when stress kicks in, when you're running away from the lion, you get to safety your friends give you a great big hug. You take a deep breath. You either shake it off or you party because your life hasn't ended. You're alive. There's some way that you complete that stress cycle. And it's those physiological things that tell your body you're not in danger anymore. No one's going to eat you tonight. You are totally safe. The problem is, is that now so many of not all, but so many of the stressors in our daily lives are not life and death, but our body doesn't know that. So when you deal with conflict, when you have an argument with your partner, when X, Y, and Z, whatever, if you don't respond in the same way, if you don't get a hug from someone, if you don't go for a run, if you don't do some meditation, if you don't tell your body physiologically that it's safe, it will keep being stressed. And stress will literally kill you. So... When you avoid your stress, when you avoid the things that are happening in your life, the conflict, the burnout, the tension, all of the stuff, the stuff that is weighing you down, the stuff that, hey, maybe you need some therapy for, your stress is literally killing you. And I think that's when we're looking at, okay, well, what is avoidance? What is rest? And what is escapism? And so like, it's actually quite important that we figure this out. Do you think? All three of those things, it's probably a Venn diagram of sorts, right? Like right, they're, yeah. they're gonna, there's some overlap. Yes. But you do think they are three separate entities. Yeah, I think avoidance has the negative connotation of. Yeah. I... Yeah. yeah. Um, I think escapism can easily become avoidance. I think that in rest, if it's genuine rest, if it's true, real rest, then it's good. But I think the binging something on the couch, 
sleeping all day. Like those are also signs of depression, right? Yeah. So like, I, mean, I think. I, I know when I've been depressed or, or on the brink of it, it's when I want to do the least and, and just, yeah. just laying in bed. I mean. Yeah. But you can also claim the opposite, right? Being super, super, super active and going to the gym, gym five times a day and going for a run every yep. That can also be avoidance because yep. it means that you're not taking the time to be still and be quiet. So yeah, I think for everyone, this can look different. And I think that for everyone in different seasons, this can look different. So it's not it's not anything that's it's black and white and clear cut. Unfortunately, right? <laughs> uh, here is your simple guide to avoiding avoidance. Yeah, I wish it was that easy. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. I do think mm-hmm. there's, um, I mean, speaking to my life, m- Melissa and I do quite a bit of things. Like we, we go out and do things, especially right now. I mean, we live, we move in, we move to a new city. We don't know a ton of people here. So to... It's, I wanted to say avoid, <laughs> to, to avoid the fact that we don't know a lot of people and don't have a lot of friends to go see. Um, we go. If you want to be friends with Andrew and Melissa <laughs> and you live in LA, please email us at trip it to me. Send in a resume, please. Uh, <laughs> so we go, we go do a lot of things. We we're out almost every weekend in either LA or, or somewhere around Anaheim and, and like the, at least once once a weekend we go out and experience something new and that's kind of like a goal we have both in terms of travel but also in terms of like this is a rest in a different kind of way this is kind of life-giving and and maybe the this probably i don't know if we're done with that section but this kind of leads into what do you see travel as to me to me travel has never been I, i think a lot of people use it as a as a way to escape and that's great like mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not saying that's wrong because that's not what i do but um i've never used travel as escapism at all i use it as a way to um find more of my zest for life yeah. and then and then i can return home and, and feel renewed and i'm not usually any less tired <laughs> usually yeah. i'm more tired uh, but but I like I'm more excited about the world. Yeah. Um, and that that's how I use it. I think a lot of people when I tell them I go to like Disneyland every like once a week at least. <laughs> and, oh, people don't understand that. Or or like if I tell them, yeah, we, we go up to L.A. and we try to do something new every week. They're like, why? And And for me, it's just a personal thing. Like if I don't do this, I am possibly going to get bored with what I'm doing. I think you and I both identify as like, we don't, if you, if either of us kind of sit in the same spot for too long, we're like, okay, I need something new. And that's just our personality. Um, But uh, one, I'm going to get a little bored, but two, I'm just going to get a little further down on Hmm. not just the world, but like the human race as a whole, the more you can experience new people and new things to me it gives me more and more hope and so yeah. that's that's how i view travel i've never viewed maybe maybe the only place i view as like an escape is uh we, we always used to go to the oregon coast um mm-hmm. one once a year when i was growing up 
um, Lincoln City, and and then that evolved into Seaside and or and um, sorry, Seaside and Cannon Beach, um, both on the Oregon coast. And at that time, it was a vacation. But more and more uh, after Melissa and I got married, we'd go there like like when I was stressed out or when she was stressed out or when we were trying to mm-hmm. figure something out. And and I think that was used as a form a form of escapism, but also a form of resting and just gathering our thoughts before we made a decision or or just calming down a little bit yeah Um, i think oh sorry how do you i was just gonna return the question how do you how do you view it yeah i think there have been times when travel has been an escape i think it's been one of those situations where it's like "Mm, well what's my real life is it my boring job or my you know, hospitality service job, bartending has it, you know, like that's not what I live for. It's all of the money that I save so I can go on the trip. Like that's my life. Yeah. Um, Lately I've been, I mean, especially like I think I've been like trying to remind you of that or other people of that. And it's like, (laughs) I think some people do live to work and like for certain people that that's great. Like it does work for them. Yeah, but but for you or me or or Not other people in our lives, it, it just doesn't work yeah. like that. But yeah. you do use tra- you do use work as a way to get to your actual life. Yes, the means to an end, uh-huh. and I think that's why these last two two and a half years of the pandemic have been so hard. Yeah. Because for the first time in my life, I don't have a trip or two on the back burner. I don't have that big thing to work toward, and it's like okay, well. That means that my daily life needs to do it for me. And I have a wonderful, wonderful partner, but I've been through these slew of jobs that have been challenging and frustrating. And, you know, when when you get to a place where you feel stuck, like that's that's hard. That's when you want to start avoiding things. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think I think travel has been a bit of an escape, but. But I think I mostly I I resonate with what you said about like, that's just how you get your zest for life. Like I come back from a trip. Yeah, exhausted because like my body has done so much, but so filled with hope and with joy and with life. Like doing new things is like breathing. Like it is the oxygen that I need. And we are very much people that like we want to be learning new things all the time and doing creative projects. And, you know, you've got what, three jobs right now? Like we keep busy. Like and that's, you know, I change jobs pretty frequently compared to people because I get bored and I want to keep learning and I want to challenge. And so, um, yeah, I think... um, yeah, I think that travel is, it's the zest. It's so much of of what keeps me going and keeps me working. I guess that's why when we do our itineraries, why we can pack them pretty full. Like that, that's yeah. just what we do. And that's, that's who we are. And that might not be for everyone. And in fact, we probably have some episodes about a little slower paces coming up. But, um, but that is, that's just kind of what, we do and what helps us when i was a kid our family vacations we took one vacation to disneyland my dad out of the blue was like let's go to disneyland which is the most uncharacteristic thing i've ever heard him say 
But um, otherwise, our family vacations, which we didn't have many of, were going someplace to be still and quiet. And it was like, you go to the hotel room, you get dinner, you have a movie, and you sleep. You Like, you rest. Yeah. Like, it's all about not moving because my parents worked so hard and dealt with so much stress that they just needed to get away to just be stationary and to just let their bodies recover. And I don't think I've ever been like that as a traveler. Like, I do, I, I do think there's something to say about like having a family. I do think change, yes. things change a little bit. At the, I mean, neither <laughs> of us can speak to that really, but uh-uh. but uh, I do think that's part of it. But also, just some people yeah. are built like that, right? Yeah, and like as a kid, I was like, "Let's go, let's go, let's do the." I'm sure I drove them absolutely insane. Um, but then I kind of just came to a point where I was like, "No, they're tired." Like, they're absolutely, like, they need this. And, like, that's okay. It's boring for me, but, like, that's okay. And I think, I like to think now when I travel that I, and in my life, you know, I watch them work and 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 and then crash. And so I like to think that I've picked up some habits to enable me to rest more frequently, more intentionally along the way to avoid that burnout. So that way, when I do travel, I can just like go hard out and like have fun and do all the things that I want to do. But yeah, I think watching my parents struggle with prioritizing rest for some very valid reasons has made me want to prioritize it in my life. And that's kind of a generational thing too, right? Like our our parents' generation, uh, I mean, the, the American dream was a lot different uh-huh. than it is now. And, and yep. like our generation strives for something different than theirs. And just like their generation strives for something different than their parents. But, for sure. but uh, I mean, I was blessed in that my family, um, I mean, my dad had a great job uh, for uh, uh, most and not always, but he had for most of our childhood and, he uh, was very good at separating work from our family mm-hmm. life, and they were very, very intentional about vacations. And a lot of times they were to the same spot, and some of the times they were for rest. And it was like, okay, we're gonna go swim at the pool for the most of the trip, and that's great. It was it was a blast. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But they were also like, they they were also adventurous, and I think mm-hmm. that's part of. Part of what got me to where I am now is, yeah. is seeing that uh, I think they vacationed for a different reason than I do. And uh, part mm-hmm. of that reason was because of a family, which if I ever have a family, I'm sure I'm going to be the same way. It's like, yeah. we just want that. We just want that time together. Um, but it's also it was also um, it was also to rest. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a balance, I think, when you have a family, I imagine. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> hmm. I don't. Uh, yeah, we can't. We can't really dive into Uh-oh. that one. <laughs> I mean, Charlie's Charlie's enough, right? And she's <laughs> yeah. a dog. She's for, not even a human. <laughs> for you guys, you need to you need to have a break from Charlie like, every now. And yeah, then. we need a vacation from Charlie <laughs> for sure. <laughs> hmm. uh, do you wanna you wanna jump into our next question? Yeah. So the next one is, how do you use escapism effectively? Um, now we're, 
just to clarify, we're probably talking personally at this point. Yes. I think we have clarified a few times already that for everyone, it's going to be a little bit different. Totally different. Um, But I do think there are some signs that you may be overusing it. Um, Right. Yep. uh, But Mm -hmm. go ahead, please. Do do you have a... I think for me, reading is the most effective form of escapism because it's not I'm pretty choosy about what books that I read so I'm pretty careful about like oh I'm picking authors that aren't just white men right like I'm picking a diverse range of authors so that way I can hear different stories and they're challenging to me um when I'm reading nonfiction, that is not an escape that is like hard mental work yeah so definitely yeah, definitely fiction. I try to always have like one nonfiction book in the mix and I kind of juggle those. I like I think I'm reading three nonfiction books right now because I've needed a break from some of them. Brag. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nerd. Um because some of them are like really important. I feel like, you know, I'm still working through Ibram X. Kendi's How to Be Anti-Racist because that book is important. Um, but I'm not speeding through it because I want to process it and I want to let it soak in. Um, but when it comes to like novels and fiction and fantasy, I love, love, love getting sucked into a book. The kind where I'm like, I want to sit down with like, a cup of water and a cup of coffee and my phone is somewhere else and like I don't need to move or do anything for the next like four or five hours because this is what I'm doing and at the end of it I feel good because my brain has been active it's been imagining things it's getting wrapped up I'm feeling I'm empathizing with characters but it's not there's no high stakes nothing about it is reality um you know, I because I basically only read books based on recommendation. If you have any recommendations, send them to me. Um, Trip it to me at gmail. Uh, thank you. Um, currently looking for um, either non-binary or LGBTQ plus authors, anything like that. Um, women of color. Yeah. Uh, but because they're based on recommendation, I just know they're going to be really good. And so the last, I don't know, two or three years... I've just been reading phenomenal books. Uh, Brandon Sanderson, which is funny. He's he's a white guy, but he's a phenomenal fantasy writer. And he has a series that is still in process. I thought it was finished. It's four books. I thought that was going to be all of them. It is not. There are six more books to be written. I am upset about it. Um, if, you're, if you're playing Trip It To Me Bingo, this is the part of the episode where <laughs> Shelby gets inexplicably mad. I'm very upset. <laughs> um, I thought this series would be done. He's still writing it. Each book is like a thousand pages long. It's like a gazillion pages. So like by the time he releases the next one, I'll have to go back and reread some of them. I've spent, oh, no. I've spent weeks of my life on this series. Anyway, it's fine. Um, phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Potentially the best fantasy series I've ever read. Brie is sitting in her armchair right now like, yes, I told you. Um, Because she's told me for years to read Brandon Sanderson. Hi, Brie. Damn it, Brie. Hi, Brie. Um, so that's, that's like... That's a sound clip we might need. <laughs> Hi, Brie. Um, <laughs> no, the, damn it, Brie. Hi, Brie. Damn it, Brie. <laughs> very good. Very good. Yes, very good. 
Yeah, so that's kind of my main go-to. I think. Is there, um, mm. is there a genre? Is fantasy like the easiest way for you, or does it matter as long as it's fiction? Fantasy probably is the easiest. Yeah. Um, I'm not a real sappy romance novel person. That like, if there's romance in a book, cool. But like, I'm not just gonna pick up a romance book. Um, no. No. Um, yeah. No. Not a surprise there. Um, I really like historical fiction, but that's interesting because then when things happen, the empathetic part of me recognizes that even though it's fiction, it's still probably true for someone and so that still can have some heaviness there like um what's a good example Kristen Hanna wrote The Nightingale um which is a wonderful wonderful World War II novel about two sisters in France and uh it's brutal but it's so good and so yeah it's like well it may not be based on someone's life but like she did her research, which means that, like, this is probably, these are things that happen to people. Um, and so that one, not so much of an escape because it yeah. still is kind of tethered in reality. That that was my next question. Does a, does a book or whatever, you, mm. whatever you're escaping into, does it need to be happy? Does it have, if you're going to use it as escapism? No. No. Oh, no. Uh-uh. No, I love a good tragedy. I Like, let me feel all the things. I think it's just, though, like, okay, so that book, Conjure Women, that I talked about, you know, mm-hmm. again, historical fiction. Um, fantastic book. Totally got sucked into. But, again, it has that reality there. Um, and even, even, like, sci-fi is really interesting, but oftentimes with the sci-fi genre of book, they're very predictive and it's lots of times it's a social commentary. So you can be reading a book that's supposed to be set in the future, but there's like a caste system or there's an oppressive force, you know, which is, it's, it's always white people because um, white people, but um, you know, so there's, there's lots of stuff there that still kind of is like, oh, this is in line with the things that I'm learning about. And this is in line with, me being socially aware and so yeah i think fantasy in lots of ways is just that ideal escapism for me yeah Hmm. if the okay two two things really quick i believe shelby talked about conjure woman in the seventh episode if you want a more detailed uh breakdown of it um and the second thing if we're looking at it like a venn diagram again with escapism in one circle uh, avoidance in the other and then rest in one do if you if you read a tragedy or something mm. does it fall uh it probably is only an escapism for you it probably doesn't if we're similar does it fall into the rest category at all i think most good books have an element of pain yeah I mean, it's hard to make a good story without some turmoil. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, th- I think it's it's very similar. Actually, this is interesting. This is a good tie-in. Um, in Burnout, the book I was talking about earlier, Completing the Stress Cycle, they actually talk about um, crying is a release. And so oh, yeah. some people, when they're really stressed out, they'll watch a sappy movie or whatever kind of movie, to cry because it just makes them feel better. 
And so sometimes... Are you transitioning into what, uh, what I do? <laughs> yes. Um, so actually having like a good five minute cry, not like obsessing over something to the point where you're like inconsolable. That's not actually helpful. If you need to do it, cool. But like if you're doing it for the point of like releasing stress, that's not really the goal. But like you watch a movie, you feel the things, you cry, it's a release. So I think that reading a book that creates similar feelings is actually a good release of those emotions. So I think unless it's, if I'm reading a book like, which again, it goes back into the nonfiction category, but if I'm reading a book like The Color of Law about housing discrimination throughout America, that's just gonna piss me off. And like, I'm gonna be outraged and mad and upset and confused and like feel all of the things and it's not going to be any kind of release but if I'm reading like a book where there's like tragedy and romance and and like I feel the things and then the character gets that kind of resolution and then I feel the resolution that's actually a really valid like stress response to get rid of that stress it's a good Mm -hmm. way to rest yeah it is yeah no I, I agree and Andrew, I know. Now, I hate public crying when it's me. <laughs> I don't like it at all. But I know that for you, this is kind of, this is a thing that happens in movies, right? Because you feel them. And I'm like, I'm like trying to like hide my tears in the theater, right? Or even like sitting next to Ben. I'm like, I don't want him to know that I'm crying. But like, you cry frequently in movies. And I think that that's a lovely thing. That's not to say I, like, enjoy it. Like, I'm not excited to go into a movie and cry, especially in a, in a public theater. Um, but, yeah, I I, uh, I do think, I, well, I feel a lot of things a lot of time. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm generally very aware of what I'm feeling, um, which is something I'm... I, if I'm going to talk about what I'm like most proud of and <laughs> as far as a personal trait, that's, that's one of them, but I, Yay, uh, emotional intelligence. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> now I'm uncomfortable. I'm not oh. good at it at all. <laughs> um, no, no. Um, so one, I know what kind of movie will make me cry and I, and I will watch it if I need, like if I can feel a buildup in stress or if I'm feeling a certain emotion, I know I can get it out if I see a certain type of movie. And that is how very self-aware of you. (laughs) I, uh, I'm, I'm one, I'm lucky. I mean, I, I think, I think I'm just lucky to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm sure you could probably argue that like there's there's an evolution to getting there, but also I think it's just some luck. Like I think it's just mm. some some personality traits um, that you're born with, more nature versus nurture. Uh, so I can also tell, like I I know I can also tell like if I'm walking into a movie and I know it's gonna be good. And even if I don't know what the story is, like I can, I can usually tell before it starts if I'm going to feel like I'm going to cry or not. Mm. The best example, um, I saw Jojo Rabbit a few years ago, <sighs> and I saw it in theaters. And there, 
I mean, there's a devastating part in that movie, and that is not the part I cried during. I I, <laughs> I definitely know what part did you cry during? Oh, just the end. Um, oh, okay. When, when they start dancing, um, oh, but but yeah. it was a, a stressful weekend for whatever reason, and uh, like going in, I was I was just kind of a wreck. I just didn't feel mm. very good, and uh, I knew like something was probably going to set me off. Um, but but I got to the end. If you haven't seen the movie, it's hard to explain. But there's this kid who has Adolf Hitler as an imaginary friend, essentially. And mm-hmm. Adolf Hitler kind of plays the devil, which he kind of played in real life, too. It's but, it's set in Germany during World War II. So it's not like a modern kid but with, it's like also, Hitler as his friend. It's also not really set in Germany. Like, it's a fictional portrayal yes. of Germany in 19... Uh, during World War Two, But... He, uh, uh, like, not only is Hitler playing, like, the devil, he's also playing, like, the devil on your shoulder, right? And at, at one point, the kid, like, kicks him out the window. And this guy next to me, who, who's like a biker, like, he looked like a biker. He comes in in this leather jacket, this big beard. And he, he like, he is not the target audience for this movie, just right. based on looks alone. And... <laughs> and he did that and he, and he, I think he said good for him that kicks ass <laughs> and, and, and from that moment on I was like oh. and, then, and then I just and then I just sobbed for the rest of the movie and it was an ugly maybe the ugliest cry I've ever had in a movie uh, aside from one we might talk about next week but it was um it was cathartic in a lot of ways. It, stories that show kindness really, really affect me. And mm. there's a certain type of kindness, too, and it's hard to describe. Um, maybe unexpected kindness or, or coming-of-age kindness. And um, and those, those really provide both escape and, um, and rest for me. And... Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if rest is uh, rest. Maybe in this case is a um, is a shorter word for restorative, and I just feel a little more whole coming out of mm. a theater or or sitting in my living room and then going to bed. Um, I guess we keep I keep bringing up the Venn diagram. I think instead of putting it as like escapism is top left. Rest is right in the middle below it. And then avoidance is on this top right. I think it's more escapism is top left. Rest is right below it. And then avoidance kind of bleeds into both of them a little bit. But I think escape and rest kind of share more more Mm. than avoidance does for me at least. Yeah. Um, I do know there are other types of stories where... Um, I can use them as escapism, coming of age stories, and a therapist Shelby can show up if she wants to here. But <laughs> I think I had such a good um, middle school and high school time in my life that I see these and it takes me back, and it mm. um, and uh, they like they just make me happy, and, yeah. and so so I see those and, and 
and uh, some of them make me cry but but more of this is just kind of uh, like oh i feel good that's that's what uh, we talked about licorice pizza a while back and that's definitely what that felt like to me not that i shared the same experience as that kid but um but it definitely just ah it's so nice to mm-hmm. to see and or or the way way back which is a favorite movie of mine um that came out probably probably like 10 years ago now maybe not quite that long but um it's great um so yeah those those coming of age movies if we're talking about things that we escape into and just kind of for me it's almost like reliving um some of the best days of my life uh and not not in a way that i wish they were back because i'm i'm happy in the present um there are things that i'd like to change sometimes but but like i'm happy with my current situation and i wouldn't trade it um but but i think there's always a a time in our life that we look back at fondly and and those movies kind of bring me back or um or make me appreciate what i've what i've come through and and what Mm. i've got to enjoy so yeah um and i don't escape i don't know i guess i guess this is another question i watch a show to fall asleep every night like i i turn something on um and fall asleep to right now it's new girl it used to be the office and then the office got taken off of netflix so right uh, right um but i it's it's white noise to me essentially mm. and i don't i like there are times when i stay up for like 15 20 minutes and finish an episode and then fall asleep during the next one but most of the time like i turn it on and it's like 5 minutes and i'm out Melissa does right. it with the Disney animated movie Frozen. If <laughs> if she's like had a stressful day, she'll turn Love that it. on and then she'll fall asleep within like ten minutes. And yeah. you hear the hey na na hey na, <laughs> and then and then like I'll be laying there and like a minute later she's asleep and I, I right. don't know I don't know how a person does that, but <laughs> but um, but yeah I I do use. I don't I don't know what to quantify that as like to me it's like a, just a way to distract my brain for a few seconds to yeah. where I'm and it's not that I need a resolution on what I'm thinking like like I said I'm fairly self-aware and I know how I'm feeling and sometimes yeah I'm bad at confrontation as Shelby would probably um tell me tell you about me but wouldn't tell me directly because <laughs> Because she's too nice to do that. <laughs> um, but but usually it's just because like if I think if I'm just laying there, then my brain will wander, and, yeah. and it's not yeah. you. It's not always a bad thing. Like I'm not thinking mm-hmm. about bad things. It's just that I just want my brain to shut up for a second. What would you yeah. What would you quantify that as? And do you do anything similar? I think i would quantify it as the pause as the you know humankind can only bear so much reality um i think yeah i think that it's really easy to let your brain just go and go and go and go and sometimes it's harder to shut it off whether it's about like bad things or good things or heavy things or whatever so i think yeah i think 
it's white noise, right? Like new girl is something you've seen so many times. You don't really have to pay attention to it because you know it's going to happen in the episode. The voices are familiar. Like, you know, you're not going to miss anything. So yeah, I feel like that's white noise. Um, New girl is an interesting one too, because mm. they are, there's, there's no bad, pre- you could argue in some sitcoms, like they're all bad people. New girl, right. it's like, they're all like nice and I wouldn't yeah. mind hanging out with them. And it's when you turn on an episode, it's like you're hanging out with your friends. Yes. Like some of them are like, oh, no, you made a bad choice there. But sure. you're not a bad sure. person. Like that yeah. was just a terrible decision. Yeah. 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 It, yeah for that sure. and Parks and Rec. And like, uh, yeah. I guess, <laughs> yeah. I guess Friends is kind of the go to like buddy comedy where yeah. some of you could argue, especially now, you could argue some of those people are bad. But <laughs> at the time, everyone was like, oh, yeah, we love hanging out with these people once a week. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, I don't I don't have something that I do to fall asleep. Most of the time, I'm good to fall asleep. There are definitely times when I can't turn off my brain or whatever's happening is too distracting that like my brain needs a resolution before it will shut off. And then I have to read until I get tired or do something like that. Um, but I will say... When I am feeling emotionally drained and especially if I'm home by myself and like I want people to be around, but like Ben's away and friends are busy, whatever, I will turn on Gilmore Girls and I'll probably do something else. I'll do dishes or clean the house or do a creative project or whatever, but I will just have Gilmore Girls on in the background running because I've seen it so many times that again, don't have to pay attention. Lorelai Gilmore is like my spirit animal. So it's you can you'll always be able to tell when I'm watching it because my Lorelai will come out. I'll just like start saying the most ridiculous things. And also it's kind of bad because they drink coffee so much in the show and every time I see it I'm like, "Oh. Oh, I want I want a cup of coffee. I'm going to make a cup of coffee. So I'm like 10 times more caffeinated when I'm watching Gilmore Girls. It's great. And um, so you can talk as fast as they can. Exactly. Yeah. Um Lauren what is her name? Uh, she plays Lorelai. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. She Lauren has, Graham, isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay. She has a book called Talking As Fast As I Can. You're so good. I Andrew. did that without looking. I can't, I can't believe it. That was amazing. That was amazing. But yeah, she has a book called Talking As Fast As I Can that like is all about her time on Gilmore Girls. It's lovely. Listen to the audiobook. She reads it very fast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think in some ways... That can either be rest because I can't actually turn my brain off and I know that I need to. I'm not avoiding feelings. I actually need a break from them because I can get quite obsessive. So that's when I turn that show on and it's really comforting and it's, you know, it's it's familiar, it's friendly, all of that stuff. Um, there probably are times when it's a bit of an avoidance tactic. So that's sure. one of those ones I kind of have to watch and kind yeah. of be like, hmm. Why do I need the white noise? Why do I need it to be on? Um, yeah, so that's kind of that's my show, my good. I mean, it's kind, it's a. On the surface, it might look a little sad, I think, but like that's part of the beautiful thing about fiction, right? We could to dive into these stories, yes. when we'll meet friends along the way. Like, like yeah. it's it's a little cheesy, but like maybe you're on a hike with Frodo and Sam, maybe, yeah. maybe you're with Lorelai hanging out in a coffee shop. I mean, it's, it's, um, part of the beauty of storytelling and, it is. and 
I guess in a way when we hang out with friends where I mean that's the most beautiful escape to your dull life yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. the dullest yeah. parts of your life I mean that's that's ri- you and I would argue that's why we're alive and that's that's yeah. that is your life but to a lot of people I, I mean and to us even like the fractions of time we get to spend with friends is so much lower than the fraction of time we're working. So yeah. you could argue either way, but, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, being with friends is an escape from your life. And, yeah. and sometimes you have to turn to fiction to be with friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now for the record, I do have friends, but, yeah. um, yeah, but we also know that there's points in time in life when those friends aren't close. Like and, proximity wise, you know, yeah. um, there's, there's time differences that get in the way. There's really big oceans that get in the way. There's also just seasons of life where like, as an adult, you're like, Hey, I miss you. I love you. I will talk to you in three weeks because that's just, <laughs> that's just how it goes. It's like, really stupid. <laughs> it's really stupid, but, but, it's but true. you know, until we figure out a better way to do it, like here we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, there's also something to both of us being sort of introverts, yeah. and uh, and like, like sometimes those fiction characters, like they don't change. They're they're gonna stay uh, the same, and uh-huh. and we need them too. Like we yeah. we need them in our lives. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're dependable yep. too. So absolutely, yeah. Uh, uh, the last question, because mm. I guess we should wrap up soon, probably. Yeah. And we've touched on this a little bit. And, and this is kind of a bummer to end on. Maybe we should maybe we should add in something something more fun at the end. But uh, uh, and yeah, you've kind of mentioned this escapism mm. for you. It becomes a negative when I mean you seem aware of when it becomes a negative, right? It's mm, when yeah. you, when you're actively avoiding things, yeah. or like you can't spend any time alone. Yeah. 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 I, cause I, again, like, because I'm an introvert and because I'm a creative type, I really like my alone time. I get a lot done. I, you know, I can pick up a book and be there for five hours and like, that's not a big deal, whatever. So when I can't spend time alone or when I can't spend time alone in quiet for any amount of time, like that's, that's a red flag to me. I've learned Hmm. that that means I actually need to actively go somewhere and be quiet and be still until my subconscious can tell me what the heck is going on and I can sort through it and then make peace with it. Um, yeah. What about you? Like, are there times when you slip into avoidance? What does that look like? Can you tell beforehand or is it, you know, while you're in the thick of it? Like, what does that look like? It's uh, it's a little harder for me. I think we're both introverts in a way, but I'm, I'm definitely different from you in that I don't actively... Um, uh, want alone time all all the time. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of it in my life, and I I you, usually I'm good with it, but I am just gonna be quieter in like a crowd, right. and that's that's kind of the introvert I am, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, like I don't I don't need alone time all the time, and and usually I'm happy to have a person by my side, or and even if we're not like talking, which which I'm usually not like, again, I like to be pretty quiet and Mm -hmm. I like to think I'm fairly thoughtful and and a better listener than I am a talker, which makes for a great podcast, by the way. (laughs) 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 
but um but for me there's just kind of this haze that comes over me mm. and i can't really think clearly and that's when uh, i'll turn to just a whole bunch of media or or um a familiar record or album or whatever um again it doesn't really happen happen with going places as much it's usually just like a like a boring tv show or something um mm. and, and i'll turn that on and and like try to try to just not think about anything um even though it's pretty clear that i need to get out of the, whatever brain fog i'm in yeah um a lot of times it it will be like uh it, it's probably more social media for me than anything is what ah. i turn to and and it becomes avoidance um i'll read a lot of I, I like to think my Twitter following is pretty like not following follow who I follow on Twitter. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, is pretty uh, diverse in the like like around the election time. That's a lot where I got my news because I'd follow reporters mm-hmm. and stuff. Right. Um, but I also I mean it's Twitter. It's also a cesspool, just like just like yeah. other social media. So I spend a lot of time on Twitter when I'm not thinking mm-hmm. clearly and and just reading dumb dumb things or or getting distracted by that instead of figuring out why i'm not Mm. thinking as clearly as i usually am or Um, when i force you to be on instagram by sending you 15 panda videos in one night (laughs) panda videos don't don't hurt things usually (laughs) if anything they help me sort out my life so okay good i'll send you more later don't worry yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um no it's interesting for me Sometimes it's it's kind of the opposite of you, really. Like if it's if it's quiet, and I don't know what I'm thinking, then it usually means like I'm thinking too much, and mm. and I can't sort through things, and and like I've just gone in circles, and right. that's that's not healthy for me. Oh, I that's found. so interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, it's. Mm. It's a little bit of a process, but um, yeah, I, I like to think that, like like we said, I'm pretty self-aware of what I'm feeling all the time. So when I'm not self-aware, it really bugs me. And I'm not sure there's like a, there's a certain pattern I go to. Um, I just, I just could get pretty quiet and sad, I think. Uh, yeah. And then, and then get tired <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. and then go for whatever's easy next to right. me. Uh-huh. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I do think uh, living so close to Disneyland, I think so many people use that as an escape and to a point where like, that's their life. And I don't right. think that's super healthy. Um, I think especially if you see like theme parks like I do, which I know not everyone does and that's totally fine, but I see theme parks as like an art form in a way mm-hmm. and when you start stop seeing that as an art firm and seeing that as like your home then i do yeah. think it becomes a little bit of a problem yeah. um and, and i guess that could go for any destination mm. and i i do think there's a familiarity i have with that place and and i will go there to just sit sometimes and and just just 
sit and, and relax. But I, I don't think I turn to it very often mm-hmm. as like a, a place I need to go when things are really bad. It, it hasn't become that for me. So, What would you say, and maybe we end on this thought because it's a bit more happy and positive, but what would you say is like your go-to place, not like a place in the world, but like you get in your car, you go there where you live, your go-to place when you either want to escape or you want to rest? Hmm. Do you have an answer? I do. I don't. Right. Oh, yeah, go oh okay. Ahead. Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to um, Yeah. So we live a five-minute walk from the beach, and I've always been a water girl. So lakes, rivers, oceans, I just have always, always loved it. And I've always wanted to live in a beach town, and sometimes I forget that I actually do now. Um, but I do. And we frequently go to the beach because of Charlie. She absolutely loves the ocean and, you know, chasing rocks and all of that. But I would quite happily just sit on the beach or get in the water or go kayaking or whatever and just be there until my head clears. Um, hearing the water, putting your feet in the sand, seeing dogs run. There is nothing happier than dogs at the beach, I will tell you. But there's something like even just I close my eyes and I can feel my feet in the water and I can hear the sound of the oceans. Like it is so calming. It brings so much clarity. And it is that pause that I need when it's like, oh. And I, I love looking at the ocean because it makes me feel so little. I'm like, wow, this one thing that I'm obsessing about today that is upsetting or hard or whatever, whether it's that conflict of work or whether it's something really big and important for lots of people, like, you know, a massive, you know, national, international conflict, whatever it is, it just, it, it's like this ocean was here before me and this ocean will continue after I am gone. And there's something really grounding about that. And... I also feel like I can stick my toes in the water and I'm like, this is the Pacific Ocean. So many of my people are on the other end of the Pacific Ocean and they're really far away, but like my feet are in the water. That water's touching their shore. Like it, it's, it's a sense of connectivity too. So yeah, that's, that's one of those. And I know when I'm not doing good mentally, I forget about the beach. I forget that it exists. I don't even think about going down there, but that's, that's the place. That, that I like to go to. That's lovely. Hmm. I think a lot of people identify with that too. I am. Mm. Um, uh, there's, I don't know. There's something about the ocean. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I I don't know what it is exactly, but um, I, I I agree with that for sure. Um, there are certain even beaches around here that I haven't been to very often where it just feels. Like, uh, like you can take a breath. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to give like three actual practical answers and then I'm going to give a, samp- a sappy one. Because um, <laughs> for me, it does depend on the season and, and just what's around me too. Uh, right right now, um, like at Disneyland, they have a, a food and wine festival. Uh, and Shelby knows because I send her pictures every week. But there's this band that Melissa and I go listen to. Uh, they're called the Fat Cat Swinger. And it's not even like music that I would typically seek out. It's it's big band and it's a lot of fun and they, they're really good. Um but it's not like it's not like the style of music I listen to. Um but we go and they play like three or four sets every Sunday and Monday 
and we don't go every week, but we go when we can. And it's just, we just go sit there and in between sets, we sit on the steps and, or maybe go get a bite to eat and, and then just relax. And, and uh, a lot of times, well, yeah, it's Sunday and Monday right now. So it's at the beginning of the week and it, um, and it just feels like, okay, we're ready for a new one. Mm. And, and it's really nice. I, I like that. Um, in the falls, uh, or autumn, sorry, sorry, New Zealanders. <laughs> um, it's a Husky Stadium, um, which has always been a bit of a home away from home for me as I grew up. Um, this is where, if, if you don't know, I should explain. This is where the University of Washington uh, football team plays. Uh, it's set it's one of the prettiest stadiums in America. It's set right on the shores of Lake Washington, which I raved about in episode seven. And and on the other side of the stadium, you can see uh, Seattle's iconic skyline, meaning like the Space Needle and, and a few other things. So if you're, depending on what side of the stadium, you can see the water or you can see the skyline. So, um, and I grew up there. Um, I went there. I've gone there six, seven times a year in every autumn for 15 years. Um, and and uh, it was a place for me to see my brother when he was off at college and then see my parents when I was off at college and then and then see my sister. And, and it's just a place where I can um, let loose, but also also just just feel at home and with. I think, again, I've talked about this before, but just sporting events in general, there's a certain element or theater or um, church to some people or whatever, where you're just with a group of people who are striving for the same thing, rooting, mm-hmm. happy for the same thing. Um, yeah, and, and that's what sporting events can be. Um and finally, I guess that kind of leads me into the sappier one where it's like a lot of times in my life when something bad has happened, I just want someone and it's it's varied. Sometimes it's my wife. Sometimes it's a very close friend. Sometimes it's family, but just one person usually. And I can just talk to them, maybe mm-hmm. watch a movie with them. Um, I remember on election night when Donald Trump was elected and we were I was just so upset and I sat down and did a two and a half hour podcast with my my friend and we didn't talk about anything we just talked about like growing up because Mm -hmm. we were too upset to do the topic we had picked out but we just talked about good memories we had because that's what we wanted to think about at the time and I think about maybe not that instance but just that sort of thing often or when the the when the world was shutting down i had a group of uh four to five people four or five people and it was just like every every night i would come home and they would come over and and we would mm. quarantine and we'd talk about things or maybe we'd just watch a movie and it was um it was beautiful mm. and um things like that when when things get when life gets really hard, um, I tend to just want a conversation and she'll be able to attest to this. I tend to just want like a conversation or a, 
or even like just hanging out for a, for an hour with someone yeah. close to me. Um, and sometimes the conversation can run pretty deep or sometimes it's just watching a movie or watching a show with a friend. And I think that's my biggest form of escapism really mm-hmm. is, is just actual life. And yeah. I, maybe, maybe that's what's healthiest for me is that yeah. I don't really have a show. Well, aside from new girl, <laughs> I don't really have, <laughs> a, I don't really have like a show or a movie that I can turn to. It's just like these moments with real people. And, uh, I think that's a lot more life giving and, and makes me feel a lot more optimistic than escaping to a place or, mm. or, um, or a, a fantasy. So yeah, mm. that's really beautiful. Oh, I feel like you. we could we could spend another hour talking about like people as escapes, right? We and could. like the different relationships and like the purposes that they serve, and not in like a like a selfish way, but just you know the the seasons that we go through with people and yeah yeah and and we're very relational and so like the people that we have in our lives are are so important like if if I could have a few people over to my house every single night okay maybe not every night because I am an introvert but like if I could have the right people over to my house like five nights a week like that would just be perfection yeah no I mm-hmm. I, I agree with that um, yeah we we both are we should say we're both extremely happily married we yes. both love our partners <laughs> yeah. we both love each other's partners uh-huh. um, but like we're we're both people who want more than that and yeah. i th- i think we've both found um through early stages in our life that like there's nothing wrong with that that's that's actually healthier and yeah and i've learned sorry go ahead not to cut you off no, 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 you're fine. Go ahead. I've also just learned that, like, it's also through, like, through bad relationships, right? Through bad romantic relationships. Like, it's not fair to expect one person to be everything that you need. Like, no, I... that's that's actually not healthy. That's not okay. No. So, like, I adore Ben. Like, I tell him all the time, like, you're my favorite person. And, like, it's true. Like, he is. But I'm it's also... <laughs> no, I know, I'm, I'm just sorry. kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like, it's it's a good thing to have people that fill that need in different ways and at different times. Like, I can't I can't expect Ben to to be everything. Like, that's that's not fair. Like, that's it's, not well, okay. It's not fair to him, and it's not healthy for you. I mean, exactly. Like. Ben is one of I've I've hung out with him once I've talked to him many <laughs> times but like he's he's a great person uh, like I genuinely I really really enjoy Ben but yeah. like even he's not he can't be everything like, right you, and like and I can't be everything for him either right yeah. like I think I'm pretty fucking awesome but like I can't be everything and so it's like I think it's really important to have friend structures and have other people that you rely on. And I think I think that's why we're drawn to shows like New Girl, right? Like yeah, exactly. They're a group of friends hanging out in a loft apartment. And they get and to I'm do like, it every night and they get to yeah, they're there when they need them. Which is funny cuz I'm like I don't want roommates. I don't want flatmates, sure. but I want that. <laughs> like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's this uh let's see Hugh Grant movie from a long time ago about a boy 
I haven't seen it. And but the phrase and they could it, it fit the movie. But uh, the the thesis essentially was the main character Hugh Grant was like I like to live on an island. I like to be alone. And then he'd have these romantic relationships and then he met this this boy who was kind of like um he, he was like his mentor. But but then they the the conclusion not to spoil a movie that's like twenty plus years <laughs> old. But but the conclusion was this this boy after after Hugh Grant's character kinda of tried to cut himself off was that you need backups. And mm. and backups isn't the right term for them and it's not fair but in like a like a middle school vocabulary it kind of fits perfectly right yeah yeah that you need these these other people like if something doesn't work out along the way or something tragic Mm -hmm. happens or whatever you don't want to be left on an island yeah and that that's healthy and um and in a way like that's the way life is meant to Mm. be lived so yeah. 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 I um I was told one time that different relationships in your life are like different tools in your tool belt. Mm-hmm. Like and I think everyone's different, which means that everyone gives love different. Everyone yep. has a natural organic way of supporting people. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's perfectly reasonable to to think of relationships like that. And it's not in a like selfish way of like, oh I'm gonna use this person. Yep. But it's like Hey, like this is mutual. We respect each other. We love each other. And like, yeah, like no. this is the person that I need right now. And no, you know, the, the most the most fulfilling times in my life, I could pinpoint like what person filled what. Yeah. I I don't like to use the word need, but like w- this person could show me love in that way, whereas this person could not. And right. but they showed me love in a different way. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and they they ultimately added up to this to again the most fulfilling times in my life and yeah. and it's, it's it's that community right like it's yeah. not a codependent need on someone it's not you know taking advantage of anyone but it's going hey this is my community of people and uh-huh. here's how we're doing life together and here's how we're managing and here's how we're thriving and we're loving each other and i yeah i mean what what more do you need yeah I mean, you don't really need anything yeah. for, yeah. but unfortunately, uh, life sometimes gets in the way of that. And then <sighs> relations, yeah. I, I mean, we talked about it in the Gang of Youths episode last mm-hmm. time we did a pop culture one, but like relationships come and go more comfortable than I, I mean, more, more often than I'm comfortable with, like the, yeah. they just do. Yeah. But, uh, but when, when it's all there. For a brief moment, even it, it just mm-hmm. feels like joy. Yeah, that so. moment in the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yep. Thank you, Shelby. I mean, I, I guess that's as good a time to wrap up as any. Like, like we I said, we so. could probably talk about that for a couple more hours. Yeah. Um, and if you're interested, uh, email us and we will. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll have you, a part two. And if you think that sucked, then email us and we'll do, <laughs> or, maybe don't or say don't. it sucked, <laughs> but just tell us like, hey, do something more specific and then yeah. give us something more specific to talk about. Yeah. But we also refuse the right to not. Oh, yeah. Always I mean, we're not going to. Who do you think we are? We're not going to bow yeah. to your wishes. Come on. No, 
No, we're not people pleasers at all. <laughs> not at all. It won't that's, keep me up at night. <laughs> that's why we built a podcast around planning a, planning trips for people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's why we've asked for you know recommendations and and emails every episode. <laughs> hey, we haven't asked anyone to sponsor us this episode. I know. Um, oh. uh, let's see. Uh, let's uh, maybe escape rooms. Oh, escape rooms. Yeah. Also, like, any therapists out there, oh, like, we'll, we'll pump that shit all day long. <laughs> the, the, the key to this episode people? is everybody needs some therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do therapists pay people to sponsor them? I don't think so, because oh. I think they have enough business as it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yep. But if you're that rare therapist... Um, that needs spon- needs to sponsor someone. We're, we're your people. Although we're your we, podcast. If a therapist needs sponsoring, are they maybe not good at what they do? Let's, let's keep the morality out of this one. If someone yeah, wants okay. to give us money, we'll take it. I'm only in it for the money. <laughs> All right. We'll be back next time with an episode. <laughs> <laughs> this time about travel. Yeah, it'll be about travel. We don't know what exactly it'll be about, but we think we know, but I'm not going to say it. It'll probably be a trip report. Okay, yeah. Most likely, unless we go out of order. You're just going to have to wait for the episode to come out. Ha! Ha! All right. Thank you, Shelby. Thanks, Andrew. Bye, Bye, everybody. Bye.